there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. You got scammed, right? I was scammed. You got scammed f- badly. I got scammed out of thousands. I got scammed out of seven thousand dollars. Let's touch on snids briefly. If Jack Grealish doesn't have the hair and he doesn't wear the socks and he hasn't got a little smile does he go for 100 mil no he doesn't does he what does he go for what is your dream attire head to toe i think a thing i struggle with okay i'm gonna say it right guys welcome back to the ripple effect i have a fantastic guest his name is ellis Patton. The channel's, of course, called Away Days. It's an amazing channel. You should definitely go and check it out. We're going to do two podcasts. Ellis, thank you for coming down. And we're going to focus on your specialist subjects. This isn't Mastermind. We're going to be talking about football fashion, first up. And uh, the word of the week this week is trend. We're going to go through these biggest fashion trends over the years. And what I'm really looking forward to, actually, I just thought about this on the train down, Ellis, is that because you're uh, a lot younger than me... I wonder if from my sort of first football fashion kind of memory, if we work through the years and just see where your our minds go, okay. I'll get to a point where I won't have the nostalgia anymore. Because yeah. I think, so straight off the bat, we'll get straight into this, but the word of the week is trend. So definition of a trend is a fashion. Simple as that. It's a short one this week. But when it comes to football trends, football nostalgia, which I think is a huge part of what you do in terms of shirt collecting a lot of the times. Time, but we yeah. are going to kind of focus on all sorts of sides of it, be it what footballers do along the way, you know, socks up, socks down, big socks, uh, big shorts, small shorts, shorts rolled up, every different way. But also how enormous this whole scene has become, mm. I think is going to be a really interesting part of it as well. But I was thinking that people's sort of love for certain eras comes from their often their playing days but more likely i was thinking is it it's more of a childhood thing yeah. because year after year your feet are growing you're gonna have to get a new you know pair of football boots and so you're waiting for the for the first one is that something that you think is is that a, a, a correct idea i think so i think i think a lot of people's favorite or trends in terms of football as well like fashion wise and the shirts that stand out to them are always the ones from their generation so if you look at Recently, I feel like even still, like the classic shirts people always talk about tend to be from the 90s. Yeah. Purely because the main people with disposable income who are from that generation, especially during like lockdown when things really boomed, were 90s babies or people who were younger during the 90s who were used to that age. And then they were like, oh, like these shirts. And also it happened to be like when shirts became more commercial. But I think like it is based on the players that stood out to you. So you see a lot of people cutting about in like a Batistuta shirt. Yep. Not sure they ever watched him play. Yeah. But like it's quite a, a fun thing. Uh, so I think it definitely is drawn to your childhood and your first memories of football. Like I gravitate to the England 04 shirt, which isn't our best shirt by any means, but it's the first tournament I remember was Euro 2004. Yeah. So it definitely is linked to that, I think. I also think there's a sort of, in the broader world of fashion itself, I've always had this idea of a sort of 20 year rule. So shirts that, will feel kind of a bit like ick now. If you give it 20 years, it kind of gets back to a point where we then have, you know, then things are tight, then they're looser. Like we're now at a time where things are getting really baggy again, like, you know, jumpers, trousers, whatever, you know what clothes are. But (laughs) But that wasn't a thing. Even like if you did that three years ago, four years ago, people weren't wearing clothes that way. So they wouldn't want shirts in that style. So I always think there is that kind of 20-year gap, personally. And so to kind of keep out, generally, that sort of, say even like a couple of years ago, sort of that 90s feel. Now we're kind of in the mid-90s. Um, or maybe it's even more than 20 years. Maybe it's 30 years. But there is always, there's got to be long enough a gap for it to get to, to retro, I think, and it, to come back round and be cool again. Yeah. Are, are, there any, are there any shirts or bits of kit that you've thrown away that you're gutted you threw away because you thought they weren't cool anymore? Oh, it would have been loads growing up. It wasn't until like I began to collect properly now in the last few years where I was like, I must have thrown away 
like hundreds of pounds worth of stuff. Mm. It, it's mental how much went to went. Like all the England classics, obviously they get passed down generation to generation. Dread to think how many like England like eighty two home shirts have been thrown away, which is now worth like four hundred pound. Wow! Just because, and like there's a whole thing like fo- festival football shirts as well, where people wear them to football shirt like festivals. I'm like, you are ruining a shirt that's worth hundreds of pounds. Which oh, right. I think then increases the value of other shirts. How bothered are you, are you about the value of them? Uh, I used to be more because like, they are sort of an investment you can wear, which is really weird, but they are. So I don't really care. Someone can do what they want with them. It's also then brings into the whole fake or real debate because you're like, well, can I wear a fake shirt if I'm wearing it somewhere else? I'm like, morally, no. You can't. <laughs> right. All right. Interesting. But okay. yeah, I, I don't really. People can do what they want. Yeah. Because um, I've so one shirt I threw away. I don't even know if I threw away. I don't know where it is. My nan bought. She loved a car boot sale, and she bought. Despite being Scottish, she bought me the third. No, sorry, probably just the away. I don't think they had third kits then. It was the away kit um, from nineteen eighty six World Cup, like a sky blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. It might be the third kit. We would we did have furs like the Italian ninety third shirt, which is famous for the world in motion yeah. YouTube video. It's not that one; it's the one before yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like yeah. a little. It's a very tight, short collar, with a little, and it was one where it was just around my house for ages. And then I think I got about maybe eighteen or something, and I was like, oh, and I popped it on. It was like fit like perfectly, and I wore it loads and loads and loads, and then it's it's disappeared on me. But I just like I'm so desperate for that shirt back now. It like, would be hundreds. Really? Like that, that is such a... It's, it's one of the... So, like, a really rare football shirt people call, like, a unicorn. So, that would be a unicorn for a lot of people, that one. Okay, I draw, I'm going to have to go there straight away. So what is the rarest shirt that you can think of? Hmm. There's fake rareness. There's fake rare shirts. So, for example, the uh, Arsenal Bruce Banana shirt isn't as rare as people make out. It's priced that it is because it's so out there. And, it's... and by rare... So, this is another question I was going to ask you at one point is, there's player issue. Yes. And then there's just, it was in the club shop. Well, they, they, the lines in our blurred more and more nowadays because clubs have gone and sort of realised, especially over the last five to ten years, oh, we can sell two shirts. We can sell the replica and then a player spec. But dif- there's a difference between players. Even I get confused with it sometimes. Okay. There's a difference between player spec and player issued. So player issued are ones that the kit man would only provide and you can get close enough to that. But with Nike, for example, so say you have a club who are manufactured by Nike, let's say... Who's the biggest one with Nike at the Chelsea, for example? Well, you know, mid-table side. But <laughs> they will have even a different spec from the player spec to the player issued, even though right. it shouldn't be much different, but it will be. There'll be different little things inside the technology. or Okay. I don't really understand it because I'm not... Better air holes. Better air holes. Right. Um, but like even player spec and stuff dates back to like the 1970s. Remember England for the Mexico World Cup, we had to develop the air techs technology to wear... So we could be breathable in right. Mexican heat. Hot. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's, there's so many grey areas. My my main takeaway from anything player worn is or player issued is just don't buy it because you're going to get scammed. Like, <laughs> so you well you got scammed right? I was scammed. You got scammed of, badly. I got scammed out of thousands. I got scammed out of seven thousand dollars. Wow. Or maybe near, it was near actually nine thousand dollars because I included a shirt myself which was worn by Aguero. So why? What's the most you'd spent on a shirt prior to that? Maybe 2000 on a match-worn England shirt from 1970. But right. like that has a lot of... There's, you can't really go wrong with Dripping that Dripping in history, yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, it's worn by Alan Clark as well. I'm a Leeds fan. He's a Leeds United legend. But anyway, so I decided that I'd got every shirt I wanted at this point. I've got every replica. And because of the beauty of the channel I do, I sort of have contact. So I want a shirt. I'm like, can I just find someone to get that shirt? So... But the one thing you can't get as a football fan or a collector is a Messi match-worn shirt, purely because every player who plays Messi wants Messi's shirt and keeps it. Right. There obviously are exceptions to the rule, which is how I eventually ended up did getting one successfully. But So I reached out to a few people and I found a really reputable <laughs> reputable yeah. seller based in Miami. And I was already going to be in Orlando for holiday, so it sort of correlated quite nicely. So went out there. Agreed the deal with him where I'd gave him $7,000. He had a signed letter of authenticity signed from... So the backstory to the shirt, sorry, I should probably give you that, was apparently it was swapped with um, Christian Stuani of Girona at the time. Had swapped shirts with Messi because of the South American connection. Right. And a letter of authenticity was signed by Letitia Stuani, who's Christian Stuani's sister, 
And also, it was notarized by a governor of Florida to prove its authenticity. So I was like, oh, we're completely fine here. Right. But I just thought, for content, I'm going to go and get this photo matched anyway. There's a process called, I'm aware there's probably a lot of information for people who aren't aware of this. But basically, if you have a match one shirt, there's a service out there called Photo Matching, where people go into the fibers and really zoom in on a shirt and then try and correlate it with the matches it's supposedly from right. to then... Uh, find matches okay. and with Messi for example some games he'll have two or three shirts so like most players will swap shirts at half time but he might have had a blood shirt and then wear another one right so anyway or actually if he's smart it's it just for sort of an easier life it's worth him wearing a shirt you know as as much as possible like yeah exactly one, one each half minimum right yeah so he anyway so the story went like that and then we got I got it photo matched and the photo match results I remember I was at the darts um, and I got a email come through saying this isn't worn by Messi like there's too many defects of it and in hindsight the red flags were all there but I was sort of being completely transparent was in content mode as well thinking this is good content either way yeah. not that I can afford just to throw away seven thousand mm. dollars like, look at me um but <laughs> for, for all your listeners it's a, a disheveled man so, <laughs> so I which you can watch exclusively on Spotify there you go <laughs> so it just it turned out to be fake and the whole process was then, it became a legal battle. The guy, we went on to another Spotify podcast, Happy Hour, spoke about it. And he then basically was looked into by the US government, found not guilty somehow, which is mental. But he's still he's still trading under a different name now. Really? So he's selling things and there's nothing. He trades on big auction sites in America. So basically- so you my, never got that money back? You never, never got the shirt back? Oh uh, yeah, I lost a match one Aguero shirt, which he'd worn against Guatemala, uh, uh, which I'd spent about one and a half thousand on. And then I'd lost $7,000 as well. So it wasn't a fun trip. No. Um, I got four videos out of it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did he have revenue? So get you close at least. I think it got me close. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, at, least, at least that's you can get Messi in the title. <laughs> Thank yeah, God yeah. for that, right? But then eventually I did, I did end up getting a match-worn Messi shirt from a friendly that passed on a against PSG in 2012. So Okay. So you got there in the end. All's well that ends well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So fashion in football has almost become all-consuming a shot. Juxtaposition to previous generations, football fashion wear has become crazy popular. And now, anybody who's anybody has a classic retro shirt from the 80s that was designed, worn, and created at a time that nobody cared about the style aspect of it. Fashion often moves in cycles, but the interest in football fashion is essentially a linear upwards curve that shows no signs of slowing down. And of course, there's always the look good, play good aspect in all of this that we'll also talk about in this podcast. If you are listening right now and you've enjoyed that first 10 minutes, then there are so many other uh, episodes that we've got. We're really proud of the podcast uh, and, and what we're doing here at the moment. And we've had some amazing guests. We want to continue to get great guests. So if you can support and share and hit the follow button and do all those things, then sadly, we're living in a world where the metrics matter. So get all caught a second series, okay? Click the buttons. Thank you very much. Right, so cleanse your mind, right? I might have to start off with this. Okay. We've got some great ripples here. And we asked you guys on Twitter, so we're going to have a real sort of nostalgia bomb and then we'll work our way through it. So I'll give you my first uh, memory, I guess, of kind of football fashion, let's say. So for me, when I started playing football, um, I was like, so I was super young, obviously for like five, and I would get this magazine and I would notice in this magazine Puma King boots and everyone was wearing Puma King boots. And we can talk about the evolution of boots, but I think we're going to get it through it through these years. So in my mind, as I work my way through this, I'm doing this on the fly here, guys. And I'm sure there'll be loads of things that we're skipping a, a, along the way. But it was Puma Kings were everything. And I was desperate for these Puma Kings. I got the Puma Kings and I won Players Player of the Year and Managers Player of the Year next season. So when you do get those boots on your feet, can make a difference. As time went on, it was one where the shorts got baggier and baggier. Yeah. Into sort of the late 90s, everything got super baggy. 1996, you started to see these predators knocking about. But I think Beckham, if you talk about ripple effects, I think in terms of sort of fashion and football, Beckham is, is that kind of at the sort of the start, the epicenter of a lot of it in terms of how you are going to put yourself across which I think is also a really interesting thing to dive into. But Beckham turned up. Prior to that, you kind of had Ryan Giggs, who was this sort of... Pit, he was a pin-up, but he wasn't as bothered about 
the fashion side of it. Beckham, you could clearly see it. And the Predators got better, in my opinion, got better and better. And this, again, where we might have a difference of opinion here because it got to sort of the World Cup 98, uh, maybe a couple of years after that, you had uh, Gerard starting to wear the Predators as well. And that, for me, was like the golden era of Predators. Then the next thing I can remember is a couple of things. One, do you remember the wristbands? I was going to say, yeah. Strong wristbands. Yeah. Right, right. But the, not like the big white ones, like the sweatbands. Like, no, they were like, so they were like... Um, oh, they, they, they were one of these... Like Lance Armstrong. They were a complete scam. Sort well. I mean, Lance Armstrong was a complete scam. But yeah. it was a weird one. So in the same era, we had those. I think it was around 2005, I want to say. And I'm sure I've skipped stuff here, but I'm just going where my mind's going. You had these sort of bracelets that were sort of kind of good for charity, but ultimately I was thinking, surely if you're not allowed to wear like a ring or a necklace, then you can't be allowed to wear those things. But I definitely remember Gerard wearing them and I think Lampard, was wearing, a lot of players were wearing those ones. And then around a similar time was the snud. Now, don't worry, we will talk about the snud. Of course. That's going to be huge in this. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of boots then, for me, there were these things called, uh, called F64s, I think they were called with these boots that I, I absolutely loved. And it was then getting to a point where white boots were acceptable by this point. Prior to that, it's kind of like you shouldn't really be going into that realm. Then for me, I then started getting obsessed with like really light boots. Okay. So I loved uh, the Vapors, Mercurial Vapors, kind of inspired from the R9 boots. We're going back again now, back to 98. Um, and then after that, then I'm starting to lose my way a little bit. I think from that point on... I wasn't as bothered about the fashion side of it. So maybe you want to, I don't know if you want to pick up on what, where, say we get to like the mid noughties, maybe a little bit later on or from around that point. What springs to mind for you when you think of football fashion trends? See, I, I, in terms of the boots, I was, I was thinking F50s were a big thing when I was growing up, like the Adidas outside of the Predators. But Predators still were going around massively with the tongue. I remember the tongue was such a huge thing. The tongue being strapped forward. Yep. Did it mean anything for the ability of a footballer? Probably, Probably not. not. It, was, it was absolutely mental. We had the superflies. The superflies were a big thing. And even Puma Kings made a comeback when I was... So I played for Norwich's academy like when I was younger. And I was a goalkeeper. And they like you were only allowed to wear black boots still as a goalkeeper. Like, right. You didn't want to overstep the mark. Mm. So Puma Kings were a massive deal for me. But I wouldn't say it was overly fashionable. But I think in terms of the fashion, I think it's always driven more from the top half than the bottom half. Okay. So the thing that stands out to me just going all the way back would be the really high shorts. The first thing I could think of, like the Kevin Keegan era shorts. Right, yeah. The sort of, yeah, late 70s. Yeah. Well, I guess 70s and 80s. It, 80s, it was bizarre. Oh, mental. And <laughs> like, it's like, I remember... The, Why? The famous, <laughs> the famous Holland kit. The, the one, 1988. Yeah. The Ipswich template that everyone... Like the Holland players hated that at the time. It was, the, it was one of the first examples of an international team having a shirt that was like out there and different. Mm. And I think it, it sort of set the standard and, and completely changed kits forever. That one shirt did, which I think is why it's lauded so much. But in terms of the mid two thousands, the thing that stands out massively is just Total ninety. Total ninety was everywhere. I remember even like Jogger Benito with Ronaldinho. But Total ninety just screams Ronaldinho to me. Mm. And like going back to like, the Snuds and stuff like that. I think is like where we can sort of tap into the impact that Ronaldinho had on football as a whole, but also on fashion inadvertently. I don't think he was particularly going out there to be fashionable, but mm. just was so cool that you sort of transcend fa fashion when you're that cool. Yeah, totally. Total night. I hated total nineties. I know that was sacrilege to some people. I just couldn't, I couldn't get my, I think I had a pair, but I couldn't get my head around. They just, they look so clunky to me. Yeah. Like for me, it was always about being sort of lean, the look being lean. Which is interesting how like it changes over the years. Because I think, again, if we talk about, say, shorts, talk about the high shorts, I would guess that the desire to have these really high shorts was to show off your thighs. Yeah, true. Right? To kind of, maybe it's an alpha male thing at the time where they're trying to do it. And now I feel like a similar thing with the rolling up of the shorts. Into, oh, big time. into it. I think it's just to showcase your thigh. What is that all about as well? Where most players now will roll up one side of the short but keep the other side down. And it's, it's purely like Jack Grealish is doing that because he knows he's got good legs. Yeah. Surely. And that's fine. And that might be why he's got low socks as well because he knows the calves are a thing. Well, so, okay. So we asked you guys on Twitter. There's lots and lots that you guys put forward. Again, I'll 
quick bomb here. So Gianni Petucci's been on the pod before. Under Armour deserves a shout. I asked people what's their sort of favourite fashion trends. Well, in terms of instead of a long sleeve, you wear like your Under Armour, not as in Under Armour the brand. No, I think uh, yeah, I think like the, the Under Armour sort of skin, those those underlayers. Yeah, that, I, was, that wasn't one that was. Uh, always something that was happening it still happens all of us... now yeah I, yeah yeah i hate it do you don't like it what just... if you're wearing a short sleeve just even just manufacturers just need to make long sleeve shirts what are they doing that i do find that weird yeah like because yeah, i've yeah, always wanted fans, that yeah. we don't all... have one no we don't well, i don't think you actually i don't know i don't want to have a go i don't want to put them in trouble uh, that has always <laughs> been the dreams look when you were looking for shirts like I, i've sort of told the story before but like when i was traveling to south america i wanted a boca shirt yeah, and I wanted a long sleeve bokka shirt, and then I got, I got it. Long story short, um, when I actually put it on, one of the sleeves didn't have a have a cuff, <laughs> so it then turned into this sort of three quarter length shirt that okay. I still wear. It's yeah, still yeah. amazing, like it's unbelievable. But it would have been nice just to get the bloody long sleeve one. It's something that they seem. Is that sort of a? I don't know if that's like a material thing or. I think it's purely a performance thing. Right, but also like every image you look back on of iconic footballers is like, like the aura of them. They're always in a long sleeve shirt, and there's a reason that's because they look so much better, so much cooler. <laughs> every image I can think of Ronaldinho in my head right now, he's wearing a long sleeve shirt. Everyone, yeah. same with Ronaldo. It's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's totally right. So yeah, I do. I think Under Rubber sort of came in, and it was it wasn't something that people were doing. They were you know wearing a vest or wearing something like that. But it's definitely something that came to be. Um, what else is there that's just a little bit different to what we're going to talk about? I think the bulk of them there. Headbands was one. That was definitely one. Yes. Fernando Torres, Forlan, Neymar. It's kind of got like made its way now. Um, Scott Parker, quick mention to him. I wonder if that will like make its way to classic football shirts at some point. Is um, Not him as a player, who's quite regimented there, but as a manager with the uh, the four stripes or whatever it was that he was wearing as Bournemouth really, manager. Really peculiar. That is, the thing of football fashion as well, it, it is sort of beginning to transcend two managers now. Managers oh, are becoming more and more. If you look at the the Rob Edwards stuff going on right now, happily, yeah, that's gorgeous, yeah, unbelievable. Um, shame he's married, but it's like there's other ones like Arteta is also getting as well. Manager becoming more free, yeah, with what they wear, and I think it's it's only a matter of time before a manager signs a deal with some brand. Totally. Well, Q, so QPR's manager, Sifuentes, uh, is or Fifuentes. He's he started wearing this Montclair uh, sort of puffer jacket. No, not for me. Not well, for me. Well, I mean, we're winning games again, so he can do what he <laughs> bloody wants. Keep going, Marty. Come on. Uh, but yeah, there, there was sort of they were talking about it afterwards that he had this. You know, one of the, our players was talking about oh, he, he was wearing the Moncleese. We knew we had to win because he was wearing this. But it's it's such a, it is the managers are so important now. Last one I want to check out there because I think it's a great one. Vic's vapor rub. Oh, uh, Patrick Vieira. Yeah, input, yeah, yeah. It was. I did it, and then I got told off because it ruins the shirts. Oh, absolutely. Kills yeah. the shirts, right? But it was, I remember that time. It was just like, you just smeared it on yourself. Stu- I found it a little bit stupid because I was like, just pop it on your nose. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do it, it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be on your chest. It's just odd. I'd love to ask him what the reasoning for that was. It must, was it a breathing thing? It must have been yeah. a breathing thing. Well, again, so I guess it's always for an advantage, isn't it? All of these things. Because yeah. there was an, also the nasal strips was a massive was huge, thing in yeah. the mid-90s. Robbie Fowler absolutely bloody loved a nasal strip. He yeah. absolutely loved Allegedly. it. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, why, that's what he was doing with the uh, celebration. Right, so some of these great uh, fashion trends that you put forward, we've got some ripples from. So, Foxy. Hi, Foxy. He says, Cantona with the shirt collar turned up is iconic. I don't think anyone's got near... Well, they've not stuck to it as religiously as Eric. But I don't think... I think... Yeah, no one else... Did, I can't think of anyone with a collar up. It'd be so uncomfortable. Well, when you speak to players from that era, um, they're, they're always the same with it was so uncomfortable to wear them shirts. Right. Let alone having that horrible fabric rubbing up against your neck yeah, the whole game. that's true. Purely him being committed to being the character as well. It's unbelievable. And you have to... You know what the problem is? I think because footballers are becoming more and more... Uh, this is going to sound like, oh, well, the game was better back in the day. I don't actually believe that. But footballers are becoming more and more robotic and they lose their character on the pitch. 
I feel like if a player tried doing that now, the manager would have a go at them. I think they'd have. You can't. They've lost their individuality. So you Do won't. You you, I don't think you. I, I couldn't name a footballer in world football now that has their own individual on the pitch look. We've got to say Grealish, no? Yeah, but that's more just a, a nature thing. Like I don't think he's intention. The low socks. I guess it, when he came through originally and did it, I guess so. But now it's quite a common trend. And what what is the whole thing with the cutting the fabric at the back of the sock as well? What's that all about? So I asked Alex Neil this, and he said that so socks are so tight now. Okay. That it's to release a bit of again it's probably like Vicks Vapor Rub isn't it but it's, it's to release uh, tension on your calves apparently oh no wonder Grealish does it then there's not there's not socks big enough well yeah well no but he's just rolling his I mean he's just rolling his up but to be fair to him I think what's interesting here is in terms of the building of a brand and I guess from from here onwards because say Eric Cantona was an inspiration to others because mm. I think you, you say something really brilliantly there in terms of the robotic nature of football now that because of positional play and doing it's so glaring when you're not in the right space unless that is totally afforded to you within that free role your individuality is is quite minimal yeah these days um so finding a new way of you know of showcasing that and again i think that's a subconscious thing for some of these players they just want to be the guy yeah um and Pogba's maybe a, an example there. Pogba is obviously changing his hair all the time. Again, maybe it's an element of expression or it's a player that wants to express themselves. Maybe it's a bit chicken and egg from that point of view. But when you also, I think a lot of things are kind of lead towards the idea of making money. And I think Ronaldo and Messi have created a whole batch of players that are thinking about the brand. Yeah. So uh, what I find interesting with, say, Jack Grealish. Now, I think I think Jack Grealish, I can't decide on the hair yet. I think the socks, he's done that from day one. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing him playing for, I want to say, Notts County. It was Notts County of Port Vale. And he was on, it was Notts County, thanks. And he was, he was playing in the, in the exact same way. And he had the hair exactly the same. What I find interesting with him, as someone who feels so individual... He's become quite uniform. Yeah, yeah, I think he's. He doesn't change thing. his hair, really. No. It's the same haircut, really. Is that a Pep thing or is that a maintaining the brand thing? Because is it being like I'm Jack Grealish as my image? I want it, there may be an element of it's a Brum thing. It might be that as well because if you think of the sort of Peaky Blinders, maybe those two things merged at the right time where you sort of see that sort of that that kind of haircut. But he was doing it for so long. I think it feels silly for me for him to not shave his head at some point. Yeah, just come out. What do the do the like, Bex. Beckham at Filbert Street? Come out with a shaved head. Here I am. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I do think that the Cantona thing is interesting. If you put pin it with Grealish, is that do you need to sort of stick with a something to to retain that ability to be iconic in terms of from that sort of uh, aesthetic point of view? Because say like Messi, Messi's Messi's <laughs> kind of gone in different ways at different times. Generally, the shirt's out, the socks are in the same place. I remember when he got his tattoos, I was a bit gutted. How did you feel? I just think it's it's, it's really weird when he can't... I think he's the best footballer of all time, but he... That that sort of stuff should be left to Ronaldo in, that, in them too because when remember when they tried to make Messi fashionable and he rocked up to like one of the Ballon d'Or awards in like a red suit. Yeah. Like, this isn't for you, Leo. No. You're really good at football, but the fashion side of it isn't for you. I guess the what's interesting here is that the personality can allow you that ability to retain the sort of coolness. Yeah. Although some people some people will just get it wrong like regularly, but if you're sort of willing to do it, I don't like Pogba's. If you put Pogba's hair on Andros Townsend, like it doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't. You don't believe him. Whereas at least Pogba's just going, well, I just felt like doing my hair like this today. So yeah, I'm Paul don't Pogba. worry about it. Yeah, that is my whole thing. Yeah. And at what point did someone become good enough that they can just be someone who has a thing? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. But yeah. I think, again, when it comes back to the brand thing, I think Ronaldo, this is probably Ronaldo's fault. And Ronaldo did it himself, actually. He was, I, I started putting the white socks over the over normal socks. Now it's the other way around. You cut the sock off yeah. and you have a sock underneath. But back in the day, Ronaldo was doing that 
and for me, again, when it was in terms of playing football, it was how I felt in what I was wearing. So back then, I would have got so angry at the idea of having the socks down. Really? I used to get, yeah, I used to be like, what are you doing? Because for me, it was about making your legs as slim as possible. <laughs> I know this is like a proper thing for me. I remember. It's I remember so slimline. But they need, like, when I looked down, I needed, I wanted everything to look slender. So I used to love the socks over the knees thing, which is obviously another uh, fashion uh, trend that was, I think that was Henri and, and John Terry jumped on that pretty quick and stuck with it. Um, so the idea of the opposite felt fat. <laughs> Does that make sense to anyone? Do you know what I mean? Like it makes your leg look sort of podgy. You don't want a podgy leg in football. I didn't want a podgy leg. But now when I play five a side, sometimes I'll have a bit of fun and I'll put, I'll put the socks down. Yeah. That's the thing with evolving trends. You're going with the trends. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how, again, come back to what we were saying at the start about, say, a shirt that feels naff right now, it will a can age into something that feels really, really cool. Well, just on this note, so most clubs, I've spoken to like designers at Adidas and Nike or Adidas or Nike, and those, so basically every team's home and away kit you sort of have to be quite regimented with because you've got... The home and away kit will be predominant will be predominantly bought by fans of that club. So you, but then the third kit and the fourth kit, and some clubs like Napoli had like nine last season, which is a really? topic for itself. The third kit and the fourth kit will always be mental now because they're trying to appeal to a wider audience. Right. But I also feel in that there's too many people trying to chase that '90s nostalgia and just making rubbish shirts and not realizing that the things from the '90s and the '80s that people love so much love them because they were so weird for that era mm. and they're very like. The 90s, um, the Asics goalkeeper template, the Leeds, Villa, and I believe Newcastle had, that was like multicolored rainbow, is so cool because it's mental that it was ever a thing. Whereas mm. now clubs are like trying to force it and put these stupid designs out to be appealing to the mass market. But you just see at the end of the season, they're always like 20 quid because no one's buying them. Right. So I think there is a fine line between making something that's going to be a classic in 20 years and then trying to do that actively. Yeah. I mean, and that's a broader thing with fashion that I think is fascinating as well as the idea of you probably don't know you're forcing it until it yeah. until it goes out. So when brands jump on a meme, yeah, like, it just kills it. And but also on the fashion note, like you, more and more brands are now in it. Like we had Palace with Juventus, mm. Napoli with Marcelo Bellon, even Napoli with Armani. So like now there is more and more collabs happening with fashion brands, which I love. By the way, I think they're amazing. Yeah, and I love that they're quite rare and they are quite scarce because it makes them more appealing to people. I think. Well, and and I think the thing that is driving that has to be the sort of the way the world is is changing is that is that these notoriety leads to uh influence which leads to uh, eyeballs which leads to money and what's wild now is that previously gucci or you know any of these high high-end fashion brands would go to movie stars and they will still go to movie stars yeah but this, the way that the game has grown now, if if you work backwards and you go, okay, well, first of all, the, the sort of rise in luxury items and people want to buy luxury items is coming from the youth. Yeah. Like I, I saw a stat that uh, over 55% of Gucci's sales are from people under 35. That is crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Right? But it's, it's such a thing now. I was talking to, hopefully... I won't say her name. I was, I was working with someone the other day and she was saying that her kid wanted a, a, a Montclair jacket. And it, mm. and he was, she was like, what? Like, no. Like, you're yeah, going yeah. to have a Primark one like, because it's, you're going to grow out of it in a second, right? But it, the thing is, is that these these footballers now, the size of their their brand and the people that they're kind of being able to showcase themselves off to Every single week, like say, uh, say a big film does, you know, gets a, a billion views, right? Yeah. Or a billion uh, in the box office or whatever. Say Bellingham. I was just I was literally just thinking of Bellingham's name on my head. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, Bellingham and, and his rise is, is wild, right? But the fact that the clips of him, the videos on him, the interviews from him, the the games of him as well. All of those things, the amount of eyeballs on him, his notoriety is just so enormous around the world now that, again, if you're Gucci, 
you want you're desperate to have these footballers yeah. in the in those clothes now because that is your best shortcut. And I think also importantly, these players enjoy it. Oh, they love it, yeah. And what's and again, it's two converging worlds. Is what football was, which was this very world class, uh, world class, working class game. And we said in the intro there, we're talking about how you know shirts that people want now are shirts that were literally not made for style. It was just get a shirt made. Yeah, it is the sort of luxury. The the fact that you can shake hands with luxury brands and football clubs now, it's just. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so blurred now. And on that note as well, I think a lot of people don't realise that footballers themselves, but more so football clubs, are brands, like in terms of fashion-wise. So, for example, Jude Bellingham's stock is so high right now because he's playing for Real Madrid, which in itself feels like a classy brand. Yeah. Obviously, he's doing amazingly as well. But a great example of that is you could make a Stevenage shirt with the same colourway and the exact same design as an Ajax shirt, but because a shirt has an Ajax badge on it, it's considered fashionable. I think that is is crazy how much stock the football has in the world in that sense. Like, yeah, the most the most sold fashion items in the, the world will undoubtedly yeah. be football shirts, and that's the alignment people are after, isn't it? It's Gucci. Gucci can't go and sponsor Stevenage. No, yeah. it can't. It doesn't work. They have to go and find someone that kind of aligns with the, their brand identity, and so that is not. I mean, I don't know if they're probably not even working with Real Madrid, but I get what you're saying. Like it's. It's the the brands themselves are just such a big part of it now. It's crazy. And same for the players. And I find it crazy there's never been like an official PSG Louis Vuitton collaboration, for example. That feels like that will happen yeah. eventually. It has to happen. There's got to be more stuff like that. Gucci with Milan or something like that. Because obviously Milan had Off-White last season, which is a, a hype brand. Yeah. Which But they never sold the items, I believe. It was really weird. So it do, it is going to happen more and more. And to the point where with 2026 World Cup being in the US, the sport's going to be set to blow up there like on a tangent they've got quite a good young squad I imagine mm. they'll probably have a decent tournament so that in itself is a hu- is the untapped market for football and as soon as they get on board which I think they they will they are they are slowly unless they slowly but surely as if they're not doing really well and like they've got there's a huge fan base over there yeah but it will overtake base it will overtake baseball it's on the verge of overtaking hockey as being like the fourth sport in the country wow. and if the US do well in that the way they buy into hype and fashion more than anyone in the world is going to be absolutely massive. So I think that is the next thing for, for God, the so ripple right. yeah. for football would be them. Because the the barrier to entry of that world and understanding of how that works is normally the other way around, isn't it? It's normally we see, well, things happen in basketball or other sports or American sports and then we kind of take that understanding or Europe does and then kind of run with it. Like Because I think that you're definitely seeing that in terms of the sort of fashion side of it, with people wanting those shirts, it used to be sort of like rappers back in the day, and now you've got Kanye West wearing like Millwall's. Oh, was it Millwall? He wore, he wore a Portsmouth, Portsmouth goalkeeper shirt, yeah. which was a badged-up template that someone had just put on eBay for like sixty quid. You couldn't buy the shirt; it was a complete mock-up of a shirt. Did and you some... think video as soon as you saw that? I was like, "Is he coming <laughs> on show? Shopping? Is right? he getting involved?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd be able to. You know, then, then, <laughs> then, the music. I can imagine Kanye West having class five hundred quid. He'd be like, "What? I've got five hundred pounds to spend here." Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but even Kim Kardashian was cutting about in a Roma Diodora shirt. Cutting about, I don't, I don't have a voice. Cutting about, <laughs> but like Kim Kardashian wearing a Roma shirt is mental. Yeah, we are literally at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's just starting, isn't it? Yeah. Is does that make? How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? I think so. I think more and more lockdown was a huge, huge catalyst for it. So, so I had had a comment the other day saying like, because we were laughing at my fashion sense. I bought this awful blue coat, and someone was like. People laugh at Ellis's fashion sense, but his videos were a huge part and people rocking about in like a 90s into Milan shirt t- yeah. two, three years ago. So I think it, it, I don't mind it. I think people can wear what they want. It sort of, it does annoy me to an extent if I see someone wearing a lead shirt. I'm like, who was on our 2005 squad? Yeah, mate, you know? mate, absolutely. It's the new band t-shirt, like name two songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Cause, and you know, the thing that winds me up, so I understand the rise of like, of retro football shirts. The thing I cannot handle, and we do it at QPR, and I'd really like it to be stopped, is a shirt that was cool aesthetically. Yeah. But it was within a bad season. Oh, you're not for that? Mate, so I QPR got relegated on my birthday in 1996. That's, okay? not, that's not good at that. We beat West Ham 3-0 and got relegated that day. Okay? <laughs> now, the third kit, which I have... Uh, well, my dad had, so I have, 
is is a cool shirt and it's it's a bit different. It's not what you would expect from QPR. Um, but we got relegated. So don't make it. That's not like so if we're going to find our like iconic shirts from the past, why do I have to see people rocking up with shirts? I know they weren't there at the time and we got relegated. On this note, actually, what are your thoughts as a QPR fan seeing someone cutting about on like a Tarapt shirt when you know they're probably not a QPR fan? It's more they're doing it for the streets won't forget reason. Well, I, I mean, I can I can throw it back to you. Like, I think it's, I think it's a better question for you. I'm like, so I've dreamt of doing um, shirt shopping. Right, and if I was to do shirt shopping, and we're going to do another podcast, we're going to rank the purchases of the star-studded guests of shirt shopping. I've always thought, like, okay, what do I? What's my strategy <laughs> if I go in? Like, what's my strategy? And I was thinking, the di- most difficult thing for me would be what t- it's, the team matters. I'm not buying a Chelsea kit. You can't. It's not happening. I'd never do that. I'd never buy another English team's kit. Right. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, the reason for it, and I always say this is... Did we wear a Bradford shirt the other day, though? Did we? Oh, God. <laughs> the content, content, uh, content, content, content. So I will... If I walk down the street, I either want people to go, he's a Leeds fan, he supports Leeds. I actually have a real... I, people, need, people need to know I'm a Leeds fan. That's a really awful trait of mine. Or they'll be like, oh, he's in a retro Dortmund shirt. He likes football. You know, there, that's what I want. I don't want anyone to be like, oh, he must be a Chelsea fan. You know what I mean? I don't, right. I, I don't want that. What and would you say to someone like me who would like to buy more shirts but is scared about that element? I think just I think ultimately it's personal preference. Buy what you want. Yeah. But if you were wearing an Arsenal shirt, everyone would assume you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think I could buy another England English teams. I don't see the point for me. But like other countries, I think you're that's my I think you're safe then. What they, yeah, so a big thing, so the actual fashion term now, and I hate that I know this, is called bloke core, where okay. you wear, where like people who aren't blokey wear like football stuff because like, oh, you're dressing, dressing like a bloke. Bloke core. Yeah, this is what I mean. I'm just, I'm just awful. No, no. That's awful. That's fascinating. So they wear these, so like, like I always see it on like fashion sites. It's always the sweats as well. Sweatshirts are such a huge thing. Mm. So it'll be like a retro Bayern sweatshirt and or Retro Dortmund, and they're, they're completely... They they feel the most... If you're going to see someone in a 90s shirt, it does tend to either be Ajax, Bayern, or Dortmund, is what I would tend to imagine I'd see someone around the street in. Yeah. Or it's like a Retro England shirt, which, by the way, like I don't think any other country does it as good as us when a tournament comes around. The amount of people you'll see in, in England shirts is amazing. Yeah, it's tough. Um, and I love it, especially the retro ones. Mm. But we've got... We're quite good for a country for that. And there was there was an era before where you, there wouldn't be a charity shop you'd go on about finding a random England shirt in there. Mm. Sort of got killed by the resale market booming the way it did. Yeah, I made videos showing that you could do that, and so I get beaten with that stick a lot, which is probably right. The charity shops could have sold them for more. People were taking the stuff and then selling them for more. So right. it's fair enough. I've completely gone off the tangent there, but I think yeah, just just buy buy what you want to wear. But also be with the knowledge that if someone sees you in a shirt of another club from England, they probably think you support them. Do you know what it comes back to? So, firstly, I think there's two things that are interesting. There. Firstly, like say when you say those Ajax Dortmund Bayern, I can't buy a Bayern shirt as as gorgeous as like the '94 Bayern kit is. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it because coming back to the brand element of it, I don't think the only reason I could wear a Real Madrid shirt is if it's got Bellingham on the back. Okay. So I need something to like attach me to. Not a Harry Kane buying shirt. Yeah. Okay. He's maybe. not as cool though, is he? But the, I think the thing I struggle with. Okay, I'm going to say it. So I was listening to something <laughs> the other day, and it was um, it was a Man City uh, expert, and they were they were American. Now, stay with me, guys. And I'm not. I don't want to have a go. And I don't know the full story, right? But what I struggled with. It, instantly was the idea that if you're american unless there is a link it's family whatever absolutely fine but if if there isn't and you've chosen a team you can't choose man city no you can't I'm, choose man I... city right it's not fair it's not right there's no story <laughs> it's 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 it i can't compute it and on the top line of it it's like well they're the best team i get that but that's that's just not right for me in my qpr brain right I completely so agree. that's why I couldn't buy a Bayern shirt because they are too dominant 
I agree with that sentiment. There's also that in football as well. Like Leeds have won loads of games this season and I actually find the Championship more fun than the Premier League. It's because you're winning. But when we won a game in the Premier League last season, I think we won six or seven all season, every win was so special. Right, and no Man City fan, and I'm sorry to those listening to this, this is a complete... Poor Man City this. fans. You don't feel a win as much as fans of clubs like that. You just don't. Because you don't have that... Like, I saw a Man City... A tweet the other day from a Man City fan, like, oh, we were in the trenches. It was like the 18-19 sub, I think they finished second or... Well, the season they finished second. They're like, oh, we were in the trenches that season. It's like, ah, oh, really hard the done trenches, by us. Right. I really feel sorry for you. But yeah. on a tangent to fashion, actually, Man City have really really good kits their treble winning kit last season was fantastic the centralized badge the maroon collar was really good harked back to their history with the maroon uh, it reminds me of the brother shirt from the 90s yeah. which is very oasis um just like the photo of liam and noel together in the brother shirt the sponsor being brother with oasis as a band being brothers was so sick yeah that is and so you can to be clear for any man city fan this is you've been a man city fan for years upon years so what incredible fan base i've been through the, but your point is you can't, you can't just choose Man City now. It just doesn't make sense to me. It if just doesn't make sense. If you get into the NFL, you can't choose the Super Bowl winner. You can't yeah, do that. I think that's the one weird thing with American sports because I've thought about this argument in terms of the flip side. And it's, I mean, it's a bit like um, New England Patriots. Like, I guess, you know, in terms of their dominance, you go, oh, I'm going to be. You can't pick them. No, you don't pick someone else. Yeah, but the, the, the whole system in terms of American sports is so different um, that you always have it changing all the time. So that, that makes life a little bit different. Or like, if I'm picking a b- baseball team, I'm not going to pick New York Yankees. I'm just not. No. And, and I don't know if they're, they're the best or not, but it's like clearly a dominant side, right? You get one with that. doesn't yeah. matter. The second thing I was going to say, the, the, again, another th- fashion thing, and this happened to Burberry. Uh, it was one where back in the day, and I don't know if it's happened again, but certainly back in the day, that brand, and I think it's happening with Stowe Island right now, is that that brand was initially kind of niche then caught a wave then was cool and then the sort of exclusivity of it was kind of lost because everyone had it and then all of a sudden it became very chavvy like okay a real that was a real sort of signifier of that kind of culture um when it came to burberry and burberry had to sort of really retreat in terms of what they were kind of putting out there. And that's the one thing I feel like with it. So I've had that with that England third kit from 1990. Okay. I don't want to wear it as much as I initially did. And I initially loved it because people were like, oh. But then it got to the point where like, everyone had it. And now I'm like, well, I kind of want to find my own thing now. I found the exact same thing. So another, another thing with this is the Dortmund blackout shirt. So originally they did an original blackout shirt and the very iconic image is a Sancho in it and Royce and that first blackout shirt they did was the there was blackout shirts one or two before that but it was the big first blackout shirt where everyone like this is so sick it's a shirt that's all black it's dormant it's so good and I managed to get one Great. and then they re-released it they did it two years later and I was like you've ruined it now yeah, everyone's man. got it so I sold my original one I was like I can't I hate that but also I'm not one for everyone getting it but it's like if it goes back to the brand meme thing a meme becomes unfunny when everyone get, gets on board of it. It's like, for example, right now in fashion, everyone's wearing them. Re- have you seen that represent clothing brand? It's like hoodies and T-shirts. Every influencer under the sun has one. And I was like, mm. well, I don't want one now. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Well, like, so if I see Gucci trainers, I go, they're probably fake. In my head, they're fake. Louis Vuitton the handbags, cut, same yeah, thing for me. Yeah. And I think that's probably what allows the competition to sort of thrive a little bit and get to find that balance and makes it fun is that the balance between going and finding that new thing that you can like chuck on and feel like yeah. that little bit different to the rest, right? This is what I love about stuff. So this Porto sweatshirt I'm wearing, I am also like, I just love it. The Kappa sleeves. Kappa everything. sleeves but are cool. Pretty much was only staff or player issued. So like, I know no one else is cutting about in this sweatshirt that I'm going to bump into. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. That's it. It's a bit like, so back in the day, the top man days, right? Everyone would have the same jeans, right? But everyone's, you know, jeans are just jeans, right? But then a lot of people, when you'd go into a club, you'd have a top man shirt and there was eight other lads in yeah. the same top man shirt. And you just don't need that. Like you want to have your own thing. And I think that's the same with this, which is, I think allows it to thrive. But I guess maybe it's now a point where there's, there's so many, so many collaborations, so many shirts that it almost kind of will allow it to almost to flood the ability for everyone to have the same thing. It's, it's, it's getting very sort of sneaker culture, right? Oh, big time. I think it's going to get more and more that way. So eventually, it's not, it does feel like a bubble is, is going 
being blown up. As to when that bubble burst, I don't know, because the magnitude of the sport allows it to have that. So, for example, there's a very famous image of the Newcastle factory workers making the Newcastle shirt, and I believe 1996. And you see thousands of these shirts laid out, tens of thousands of them. And even still, that shirt now is worth like 150 quid. Yeah, it's iconic. Like, because of that. Mm. And also just to touch upon like inflation, people are like, oh, back in my day, a shirt was like 40 quid. I'm like, but actually with the rate of inflation, shirts are about the price they should be. I think Tifo Football did a really good video on this. Um, but like they covered the fact that with inflation, football shirts actually are the same price technically they were 20 years ago. Okay. It's just that... But yeah, inflation... But obviously, one-off fashion brand releases like the Adidas, Juventus and Palace shirt was like 200 quid. So that one, maybe not so much. I'm wearing a Napoli Marcelo Ballon shirt under this, which was, I think, four, 200, 300 quid when it came out. Wow. So they are, they are, and eventually there is going to be a 1,000 pound football shirt. It just, whichever club does it, it'll be interesting to see which one strikes first. But mm-hmm. there will be a really, really rare 1,000 pound football shirt. And like, obviously there is with match worn shirts and whatever. But when a club officially releases just a retail shirt, I think it's going to come very, within the next 10 years, there'll be a 1,000 pound shirt is my prediction. Okay. Uh, in terms of sort of uh, brand alignment, there's a couple of interesting things here. My friend Craig, best man at my wedding, doesn't listen to this, so I don't know why I'm talking to you, Craig. But Craig, he, we would have this conversation. He said, if I was a good player, I would have definitely gone to a random brand. Like uh, Matt Letizia used to have uh, Quasar. He's always thought differently. I was going to say, it's <laughs> like he wants you to believe. Yeah, yeah. He, he had these Quasar boots. And I was like, what's a Quasar? And... Um, and Dennis Wise had high-tech boots back in the day, and I'm sure everyone is thinking of that player that kind of went a little bit rogue. It doesn't really happen too much these days. Apart from, and also, there was three players I wanted to talk about, but first of all, Harry Kane going to Sketches. Really weird. You feel like it's weird? It was weird. Just Sketches making football boots is weird. I, I associate them with the school playground. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which or, is... or old people. But also... <laughs> Like, I, it's an old person's trainer. I have did. heard that the comfiest football boots players have ever worn. Well, so, yeah, my, my, my dad raves about him. He's got some golf sketches, golf shoes, and he absolutely loves them. <laughs> and in terms of being like on brand, I think if like Neymar goes to sketches, you're like, what? Yeah, that would be mental. Whereas Harry Kane is an element of like, <laughs> well, he doesn't really care no. about fashion at all. He's not, you know, fashion week or anything like that. So it really, it probably is about comfort, quality. And actually, sometimes you do... I, there was a period. I remember there being a period where I'd kind of I'd gone through the classics. I'd had some Copper Mundials. I'd had some Puma Kings. I'd had Predators. I don't think I really liked the Predators that were there at the time. I'd had Umbro Specialis, which are amazing. <laughs> I had Nike Tiempos as well, and I was just looking for a black boot, like a simple black boot. And th- there just wasn't. There didn't seem to be any in the market. And I imagine if you're that kind of player, sketches will do that for you. Yeah, <laughs> Harry mean? Kane is very sketches, isn't he? He's so sketchy. He's very like, <laughs> you know, afternoon tea, you know, just tea, two sugars, and he, when he gets home, he's going to have a sketches. He might have a beer every so often, but he's going to wear his sketches and he'll be clinical. He's yeah. not He's not there to stand out for it's his passion. He's there to stand out for being the best striker in the world. That's it. So there's a good alignment there. I do wonder if there's something as well in the sense of, say, you know, we've seen it with uh, Michael Jordan because uh, everyone was a converse kind of athlete and then they were able to show him something different. I'm not saying Sketch is going to become Nike as a brand or Air Jordan as a brand, but I think there is something that, where we talk about, say, the the rivalry, Messi being Adidas and Ronaldo being Nike, there was never a world where those two could have been on the same brand, right? No, yeah. And it's also why it was so weird when it just feels like weird that Messi has played for Nike T. It feels weird seeing Messi in a Nike shirt as well. Obviously, yeah. bear in mind he spent most of his career in one. Yeah. It's just like he is Adidas and Ronaldo is Nike. Yeah, could you imagine them being... No, never. Do you... And and with it in mind, Adidas feels like... I, I There's this sort of... Not osmosis, I don't know what the right word is, but like there is a transfer of sort of Messi to how I feel about Adidas. Yes. Yeah. Does it make sense? <laughs> I, I think so. I think I view... Imagine Messi wasn't with Adidas. I think the brand... Obviously, bear in mind, they had Beckham and they're a massive brand anyway. Like It felt like Beckham was Adidas, then very transitioned to being Messi. Mm. I just think... like The Inter-Miami kits right now, they're just a pink football shirt, but because Messi's associated with that football club, 
it then becomes a fashion piece very quickly. They they're another they did a collab with Bape, which is I don't know why anyone would wear that, but it's like they sold out instantly because Messi had joined the club, even though that was organised before then. Yeah. Messi, even though he's not fashionable, is so good at football. He becomes he's a brand, isn't he? It's and it's the vibe around them. I would buy an Inter Miami shirt. Yeah, yeah. For, for the, and I've despite you know England and Argentina, whatever. Like I, I've got an I've got an Argentina sh- shirt because it's a, it's a more of a messy thing. Yes, but like if you give me a Ronaldo Portugal, I don't want that shirt. No, because I just don't. It, the feeling around it is massive, right? Uh, yeah, he just has. I don't know, obviously, where you align on the debate. I think actually the the best of all time debate is quite pointless because you you need to view football in generations rather than. Like of all time, but for me, like if you had to say it because the football's more advanced now, I put Messi in that bracket. Of course, I think because of that, he, like I said, he's very quiet as an individual, but because he is so big, like retro Messi shirts are such a massive thing, and they're only going to get more and more because mm. the game's going to grow. Like I said, and he's he's in America now. Yeah, so. yeah, and what? And he's the you know whenever you've gone anywhere on holiday, there's a Pele shirt at a market stall. Yeah, like that will be that will be Messi for, like forever more. Yeah, he's always he's going to be, and even so now there's more footage of him as well. Yeah, so he's going to be more and more favoured, and what he's wearing in them clips, like his twelve thirteen season, which was like just astronomical. That shirt, I think, is if anything, uh, this isn't investment advice. Do not invest in fabric, but like it's <laughs> undervalued because people will talk about them and be like, "What he's got ninety goals, what ninety one in one year or something like that." Yeah, it's like, and he, what shirt was he wearing? And they watch the footage of it, and he'll be wearing that shirt. In terms of. Actually, I'm going to say it for the next part. All right, here's a ripple. Uh, Jack Grealish's low socks will get Aston Villa Champions League football this season. The aesthetic of a footballer often adds value to the player in our minds. Although it may often be subconscious, it definitely plays a part in how the public views certain footballers. I have banged on about this theory for years. David Luiz, you shouldn't have had that career, but the hair seemed to work for you. Lee Catamol <laughs> being the antithesis, of course. Tucked in shirt, black boots. Sketches, perfect sketches, athlete. Very sketches. Yeah, Grealish's performances ultimately got him a move to Man City. However, his aesthetic and the media attention he got as a byproduct of that saw him become a media darling, which could have very likely increased his market value. Villa then sold him to Man City for 100 million. Of course, this is 100% profit for Aston Villa, meaning that they were able to spend big in following transfer windows and still remain within the allowed range of FFP. And they now have an awesome squad. Does if Jack Grealish doesn't have the hair and he doesn't wear the socks and he hasn't got a little smile, does he go for 100 mil? No, he doesn't, does he? What does he go for? <laughs> How much are you knocking oh. up? Oh, well, so just so he still gets the Man City move, he's still good enough to get the Man City move as a player. Just we just object. Yeah, he looks and he dresses like James Milner. I don't mean that as a dick. 45? <laughs> no, nah, so low. No, nah, 60, 65. Because there is a huge thing in image rights and like having a player on your team that people want to see. I'd say 65, 70 million. I think they would have thought about his ability to make the money as well. Yes. Once the move was made. Like when you see all the time, I get stuck on the shorts and and it's not his shorts on shorts on Instagram. (laughs) And you'll see like some kid going, can you do a Jack Grealish haircut for like kids are obsessed with him. So I think that like that means that you're going to make money out of him. I think you could reasonably say he was a 70 million pound footballer, but also the values. Obviously, there's so many factors outside of it. Obviously, he was a Villa homegrown. He was Villa's main man, which is really backwards because the same window or the next window leads massively undersold Calvin Phillips at the time. Obviously, mm. retrospectively, you can look at it differently. But to Man City, the same thing. And maybe you could make the exact argument where Calvin didn't have the Grealish effect about him. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Let's touch on Snuds briefly. I think Let's it's touch only, on Snuds. It's only right. Um, Ruben Pinder has also been in the pod. Hello, Ruben, if you're listening. Um, Aaron Shamak robbed people up and down <laughs> the UK of a warm neck in winter. Around 2008 <laughs> to 2010, multiple players would don the Snud. Tevez, Nasri, Balotelli, Shamak. Any, other, any others pop into your mind? Van Persie? Would he wear like a white Snud? Loved a glove, didn't he? That Arsenal squad loved a glove. Podolski seems a bit snuddy to me. A bit snuddy. <laughs> Nasri's the one that pops into my mind. Nasri's the one, yeah. yeah. And Shamak, of course. Being the usual suspects for neck warmers. But due to these Premier League players bringing attention to the snud and uh, IFAB, then bringing in a ban that meant that snuds were pretty much banned from the highest to the lowest levels of football, resulting in cold necks up and down the country. A true modern travesty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame. Well, yeah, Shamak sort of didn't. He had 
not that much of a positive impact on the English game anyway. So, yeah. That's true, yeah. The streets yeah. will forget. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to do a podcast on that at some point. No one can steal that. Players that, you know, the streets will forget. Do you know what I want to finish off with is, when it comes to fashion, is what is your dream attire head to toe? So you can move around with, obviously, I imagine the shorts, you're not too bothered about that, but what are the boots? How are you wearing your socks? Go in detail. Off you go. So I think, well, in terms of what I would wear or what my dream player would look like, what they're wearing. You. Okay, so me, I'm wearing nothing on the top half. Um, <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> Shoulders up, nothing on the head. <laughs> I'm going naked. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to wear a long sleeve shirt. Sure that's allowed, right? Yeah. <laughs> long sleeve shirt, gloves. Let's speak to us of February. We're away in Romania. I don't know why Romania, somewhere where it's in uh, the, always the image of Zola. They weren't in Romania, but Chelsea Bed in Europe is snowing. So I'm wearing... Uh, Norway, Tromso. Yeah, well, we're in Tromso, which is weird that the game's gone ahead, but it has. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. I'm wearing gloves. Nothing underneath the long sleeve shirt. I'm not wearing an underarm. It's pointless with long sleeves. I'm doing all right. Then... Sorry, can I... What would you say about that? I always wear under armour, and it's not a, It's not even about being warm. I feel it's choked. A, uh, for me, it's, for me, I have a nipple problem if I don't wear something under there. Oh, you're a chafer? I'm a chafer. Oh, especially if you're wearing a retro shirt as well. Yeah, so the well, shirt, just full for me. The shirt is a size too big for me, so I'm going to be slightly baggier. Okay. Because I want to have like the an iconic image of me in the snow with like a slightly baggy sleeve going under my so armpit. So is this a sort of Ronaldo Barcelona sleeve? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Ronaldo Barcelona sleeve. Yeah, sort of the late 90s, early 2000s, quite baggy-ish sleeve. Yeah, so like the Ronaldo Kappa 97, 98 Barca would have been lovely on me. Then <laughs> shirt not tucked in. I'm not tucking it in. Okay. I refuse to. Unless if I'm going to tuck it in, it needs to be so baggy it can then fold over and it goes over the the sleeve. Right, the, the French s- tuck. That's cool. French tuck. <laughs> a French tuck. And then I'm, shorts are relevant to me. Maybe just medium length. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, baggy or short. I've not got the calves to pull off. Uh, bicycle short. I guess not. You don't like choking, do you? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> socks medium length. I think maybe if I'm feeling a bit jazzy, I would ankle tape outside the sock. Just for some colour. I love Just it. add some colour to the look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Predators for the boots, I think. Maybe not the new ones. I'm looking sort of like 06 era Predators. Like the red tongue. The, the generic Predator look. The black, the white Adidas, the red tongue. The tongue over the strap because inexplicably for some reason that is what people do. Um, yeah, strap strap over, over the laces. And then also if you have an embarrassment where your laces come undone for whatever reason, no one will know. Good. That's superb. Can I do it? Yes. <laughs> to say, right. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to go. So I'll go. Let's go boots up. So I'm going to go with, yeah, I think I'm going to. So s- you're getting changed boots first. <laughs> Everyone in the change rooms is like, what's he <laughs> what's doing? All yeah. oh, right. I love that you're. I was just thinking, I was just seeing myself and, and going, going up. Oh, yeah. I, I've nice. got to say, the new Predators are gorgeous. Incredible marketing campaign as well. Yeah. Very, very well done. It feels quite retro, what they've done with the whole thing. Yeah, it, well, it, and it's such a it's a mix of the best boots for me, and then that little um, dash of color there, I think, is really really nice as mm. well. Uh, but I wouldn't go for that for my boots. Though it, when it comes to the boots, options include Umbro Specialis, Nike Tiempos, and then Predators. So the two thousand and two Predators, okay. I love, which you can see here. Yeah, see, oh, I actually was, yeah, they're most six Predators that I've gone for, arguably. The 04 ones, we can both agree, they're, they're not very good. No. But the 02 and 06, 02 ones are great. That's a great Predator choice. So, yeah, I'm going to go, oh, I can't go away from those. So I'm going with the, oh, yeah, Predators, 02 Predators. Then we've got, um, so we'd have white socks. I, I've really, I really enjoyed in the last couple of games I played the sort of getting rid of the bottom bit of the sock. Oh, so you have been doing that yourself? So I've always since since Ronaldo. So since about like oh nine, I would put white socks over the socks that I was wearing. Oh yeah, you said yes. Yeah, and I loved tape as well. Again, from my mind looking down, I like to sort of differentiate my foot and my ankle to the rest of my leg. <laughs> It matters, right? So then I would have, ideally, it doesn't matter what colour the socks are. I think generally I do like all white kits, but I would, I need that tape. I I need that tape. I definitely know ankle um, protection, just a a small shin pad like that. Yeah, you don't need that. They feel really restrictive to me. Yeah, I completely agree on that sense. Um, 
socks. Socks, I think I do. I so socks, I would come up to the knee. Okay, a little, a gentle roll up, um, but not too far. Not outright. You know when people go way too far. Not that, but just up high enough. Then I, I generally wore uh, bicycle shorts or whatever you want to call them, but I'm not going to. But and I'm gonna. I wear. Joe did shorts really well. Gaza. Because Gazard used to roll it up one to showcase just a touch of thigh. Yeah. And I think if I'm in good shape with the socks up, I'm going to allow the shorts to be, yeah, of that level. So kind of short, the way shorts are now, basically, with a little bit of thigh. Uh, shirt, I used to tuck in the shirt always. But then, yeah, again, I've sort of gone away from that. It's funny how you kind of go with it, like yeah. different places. Used to always tuck in. That was the thing. And then, I don't know, just relax with that. So probably shirt out. Long sleeve shirt, absolutely. What kit am I having? Now we're struggling. We're going to talk about it in the next podcast. It's interesting the people's love for Italian football, Italian kits. Yeah, it's wild. Like, when I think about the when I think of retro football shirts, it's always Fiorentina. Yeah, because like I think classic football shirts, the market like leader for that, have leaned into them so much mm. that I just think like when I think of retro football shirt, I think of Battistuta in a retro shirt. Yeah, purely through like. And I've never seen him play football, ever. He was good. So I would go long sleeve, but kind of rolled up to three quarter length like that. Yeah. Uh, I would always have Under Armour on for the nips. Um, and then what shirt? In terms of a specific shirt, my favourite shirt of all time is, is a, a QPR one, Classic FM 1993. Classic FM as a sponsor is so, so good. So QPR as well to me. <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. We had to get That's actually more Fulham than anything. Oh, yeah. Well, don't do that. Um, so yeah, I'll go with that. Because that's, that's one of my favourite kits of all time. And no snood. Come on, no snood. No, yeah, no snood, sir. Okay, mate, loved it. Lovely and nostalgic. Uh, we're going to talk about away days. Yes. Uh, if they're good or bad or indifferent. And we're going to have a look at some of the, the people that have done shirt shopping. Uh, if you haven't checked out Ellis's channel, it's called Away Days. It's fantastic. Uh, the guys have had an amazing uh, sort of year and a half and, and it was fantastic before that but it's so good so so good these days so make sure you go and check it out there's a link in the description thanks for listening or watching or whatever you're doing just well done for clicking the button and uh, we'll see you in a second episode later this week <laughs>